What's going on, guys? We are back. Another episode of the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, a.k.a. Porter. We're here on our second attempt. We already had a technical <laughs> difficulty, which if you listen to this podcast, you you know the deal already. <laughs> but we are we are finally back to, to dive deep into the weeds. Uh, a fan favorite here. Um, we got Marty Teller from Twitter, returning guests. You know him for his trade deadline episodes. For, he was on the first episode of this podcast ever. Marty, are you excited to uh, dive into the weeds and talk some Sixers offseason? Yeah, man. Like I told you earlier, you got me out of my hiatus. So uh, I've been kind of weakened from my hibernation of uh, NBA basketball. And I'm, the, the Lillard rumors really sort of awaken the, uh, all the sensations inside. And uh, They Undertaker told- gift you. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully engaged now. I also like the fact that it's I'm referred to as Marty from Twitter. I think that that's like just so funny. Like I like we're we're all from Twitter, you know what I that's mean? That's right. That's right. It's, it's from v- very catchy and uh it's it's got a ring to it. But but let's just hop directly into No messing we, around. No messing around on this one. We're gonna hop right into what everyone wants to hear about. Uh, actually, that will come a little bit later. Let's be honest. Everyone wants to hear about Damian Lillard, but the Dame stuff will be directly related to what we're going to talk about first, which is something that I've discussed uh, a little bit on the podcast so far. Had an episode dedicated to it a few episodes ago, but we're just going to talk a little bit about the Ben Simmons trade destinations. What it kind of looks like now, where the Sixers go from here, especially with all the Dame news popping up, we don't really know what else is going on around the league who might potentially be available, but we do have a list of teams that might be interested, and I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these teams, some of the teams that have been reportedly interested in Ben Simmons, uh, and they're teams that are similar to when we first started thinking of ideas we were communicating back and forth. And the ones that make the most sense were the Wolves, the Kings, the Cavs, the other ones that I don't know, the Pacers weren't really on my radar, but the Pacers are a team that's apparently interested that apparently want to win now, uh, as they always do. Um, And uh, the Chicago Bulls and the Golden State Warriors, the other team that we won't get too far into that that could potentially be interested is the San Antonio Spurs. That's a team that I've kind of thought about ideas uh, that are out there. But but let's just start up top and talk a little bit about the Wolves. Because a few weeks ago when we were talking about, I guess it was like a week or two ago at this point, when the Wolves trades were coming up, in my opinion, from the jump, the Wolves made the most sense just from Ben's fit perspective. They have a stretch big. They already have a point guard pass who's kind of a pass becoming a pass first point guard in D'Angelo Russell. He was moving into that kind of role last year, facilitating to Anthony Edwards, their young star perimeter player and um, and Carl Anthony Towns. So Ben Simmons would fit in nice with them. But the issue there is that. If you put him on that team with those guys, that's great. But what do the Sixers get in return? Why Why are they doing this? So why don't you talk a little bit about your thoughts around a, what a Wolves deal could look like and why it might be tempting to the Sixers? Yeah. <clears throat> so we can kind of go through each of those teams you named and kind of talk about what we like. And it may not be specifically like we like this for our current team. It could be like we like these assets that we can then spin and use. And maybe there's a piece of the package that we keep and then move some on. So 
You'd mentioned the T-Wolves to me. I like their salaries. You know, Rubio is an expiring. He's a guy that could fill a role maybe for a year. Um, he could also go and, and match, um, you know, and, and fit somewhere else and for another player. Beasley is a guy we've talked about a lot. I mean, he scored 20 points a game last year um, and the year before as well. I mean, I think he's underrated. He's got some off-court stuff that seems like he's coming back from. I, I was, I was kind of digging in him a little bit when you really started talking about the Wolves. But I think it would be one of those things where the Wolves would go all in with picks. And there is a little bit of an enticement with a team like the Wolves that has just historically not been good to get like future unprotected picks. And I understand that doesn't mean anything to the Sixers on court next year. But what it could mean is if the Blazers aren't interested, let's say, in a one-to-one or not one-to-one, but like a Ben for Lillard framework, if they're looking to totally pivot and you know, move off of Covington and move off of Nurkic and really kind of like retool, you know, unprotected or potentially like very lightly protected Wolves picks, I think would be valued pretty highly. So I, I, I do think there's some some interest in from me in, in the Wolves. I don't think it will be the best deal for Simmons, but I, I can definitely, I agree, I can see why they're interested. And I think they, if Maury, Maury could leverage them to sort of get the right package he wants. Yeah, so I I tend to agree with the idea behind it, the asset play element of getting picks. Um, you know, obviously if you're getting back Ricky Rubio and by the way, who's like only 30 years old somehow still, I think he might be 31. He seems so much older than that just because he's been around for so long. He was drafted the same year as Steph Curry. So it seems like he has been around for quite some time, but he, can't, he, he when he came into the league, he was very young. He's definitely got his best days behind him, but he's a solid player. I mean, I don't think that you're trading Ben Simmons for Ricky Rubio or even Malik Beasley because that would be a pretty disappointing return. But if the picks are what entices you the most – and you think, as you said, you can parlay those pretty quickly would be the idea. So either this offseason, whenever Dame asks out, or if you know that Washington, who has apparently been reported to be interested in a more OKC-focused rebuild, which would be, you know, that would be a good starting off point to get a ton of first-round picks in return, that would be fantastic. Now, the problem with it is you have Joel Embiid in the prime of his career, He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 next year. He just came off a runner-up MVP season. You've been eliminated from the second round of the playoffs three of the last four years, first round once. And how can you make this sell to him? Because he's just as much a part of this as Ben Simmons is, as, as just as much of a part as anyone who will be affected. Joel Embiid is a large part of this. So how would you make a pitch to Joel Embiid as Daryl Morey to say, okay, uh, you know, we technically have downgraded to Malik Beasley and Ricky Rubio, maybe, you know, Jalen McDaniels or Nas Reed or one of their other uh, prospects on their team. How would you pitch that to Joel who could potentially sign like a super max extension this summer? I, I, I probably want it. I mean, I can do the Max Kellerman or, or like <laughs> Stephen A thing here and like pretend I like believe it, but like the, I, I wouldn't do that deal. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think the thing that's missing from the Wolves deal that's in some of these other ones potentially is that blue chip prospect. And I think that's the difference because I think there are some young players that you could get. And you could say, hey, listen, 
our, this would be my pitch to Embiid for these other teams, and we'll get to it. It will be, hey, listen, we think we can spin this stuff for the guy we need to add, but in case we can't do it right away, we think this guy can actually also play right now and help us right now. So, you know, I don't know if you want to jump to like Sacramento because that's one that I've been like really kind of toying with. Um, I really like the idea. I think Halliburton could be gone. I know that there was some like um, word that like they, the Kings were not going to include him. I, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I, I was thinking about a package of Halliburton, DeLon Wright, and Bagley. This year's number nine pick, so a top 10 pick, and then a future probably lightly protected pick. And I don't know if that's like one pick short or one pick too many. Like I've gone kind of back and forth and tried to like zoom out. But I really like that package because one, you're getting a top 10 pick this year. So if let's say if this Lillard thing happens quickly, um, to me that has some major value in a draft that I, I'm not that close to, but my understanding is, is fairly good. I think Tyrese Halliburton, while maybe not being like a like an A1 blue chip prospect, is really good. Like certainly a better prospect than like Matisse Thibel. And I would say even better than like Maxi, to be honest. Um, he's only 21. And you have him for the next three years under contract on that rookie deal. And like you could add him with Maxi and, and or Thibel potentially. And then I think like a DeLon Wright is a guy you could play next to Lillard, right? So like if you you know, roll Halliburton and like uh, Bagley and then like some other stuff to, to Portland in like a three-team trade. And then you've got these extra picks and now you've added Sixers picks to it. Like now maybe there's some things you keep DeLon right. You move on a young big, you move on Halliburton, you move on Maxi, and you like maybe you add a George Hill to make the money work. To me, that's like a deal where everyone could maybe kind of come out on top, like in a good place, like where, you know, the Portland, if they're not interested in Ben, could maybe not sell their fans on Halliburton, but be excited. Like they have a guy, they have another young player to go along with Simons uh, to maybe go along with some other, the young guys they have. That's just one that's really intriguing to me because if, if you did get stuck and say you couldn't spin it, I still think Halliburton could start for you next year. Yeah. You, I think he's you, good. You, he's very good. You, you'd have the number nine pick. You'd have a future Kings pick, which we know typically holds its value. Yes, definitely. Um, Delon Wright, who I think is a like a real NBA player, like probably like a like not a true starter, but like maybe a little bit better than your average bench guy, and then Bagley, who you know would be an interesting backup big. So even if you got like quote unquote stuck, I think I could sell and beat on on the idea of like what we could do with that package. And even if I can't do anything right away, this this actually could help us long term. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think a, f- a few things here. One, I've said it before, I think from the Kings' perspective, uh, I mean, if you, if you want to get Ben Simmons, you have to give up one of Fox or Halliburton. I know there are people out there saying, well, we're not going to do that, and there are reports coming out, but sorry, you're not getting a three-time All-Star Defensive Player of the Year candidate without giving up some sort of good player back, unless you're completely basing your package around picks. So... I don't disagree that Halliburton is a good prospect. I I, I actually like Halliburton a lot. Um, I think that we're getting into a situation where who knows how the league values Halliburton versus how the league values Ben Simmons right now. On top of that, you have a contract situation where it's like, oh, well, we'll just trade for Damian Lillard and we'll include this player and that player and blah, blah. Well, Damian Lillard makes $40 million. So 
right away with Ben Simmons, when you're sending him out, whether it's a three-team deal where Portland doesn't get him, or it's a deal where the Sixers take assets on and then they flip them later, you're going to need to get up to close to that $40 million worth of salary. If you move on from Ben Simmons and you bring in Halliburton, Bagley, Wright, all that stuff, then you're going to have to send out even more salary. So more players, whether it's Seth Curry or you can figure out a way to flip Tobias Harris, it gets a little bit convoluted in terms of like right now we have Ben Simmons who, you know, obviously is at the lower point of his value, but he still has all these accolades. He's still 25. He just turned 25 years old today. Happy birthday, Ben. We're talking about trading you once again. Um, and you at least, if you're Portland, and I, I, I've talked about this with a few people where, like, if you're Portland and you want to, like, remain competitive, a Damian Lillard trade for Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Thibel, whatever you're not remaining competitive in the West. Even with that team, even if you keep CJ McCollum and Robert Covington and Nurkic and stuff, like that's like a 25-30 win team in the Western Conference. I you, think. you don't you don't think that they would convince themselves though of that? I, I hear what you're I'm saying. Not saying. I, I that, think I yeah. I think you're a little low on that. I, I think they're probably in play for one of those last that those last playoff spots, like like maybe not even top eight, but like nine or ten. Twenty five to thirty just feels low. I know it's the West, but I, I think like Ben, CJ, Cove, Norm Powell, like if they re-sign him, how like um, uh, Maxi, like I, yeah, I mean twenty-five feels low. I would say like okay, let's say 30, 35, 30, 30, which I think is a worse position to be in than than getting a package based around younger players and picks. You and I feel that way, right? You and yeah. I feel that way, right? Um, but we also have questions like how does right? How does Portland feel? Yeah, so it, it really comes down to what what Portland would potentially value in that, and and this kind of brings us back to the point of why an asset pick heavy trade might have some sort of appeal. And I've been thinking about this from the Sixers' perspective of okay, so you have Ben Simmons, and you and your argument was getting back CJ McCollum or Malcolm Brogdon, one of these guys that's like a sub All Star that might be a top 60, 70 player in the league, wherever you would rank those guys, that you believe that essentially getting one of those guys doesn't move the needle enough to justify trading Ben Simmons. You say you, you, you're either better off keeping Ben Simmons or trying to build, rebuild the asset base quickly enough that you can flip everything you get back for Ben Simmons for a legitimate star, a Damian Lillard, a Bradley Beal, whoever becomes available next that we don't know could ask out, whatever. So my thing, and I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, is, is there any way that you think that we could do both? Like... I don't think they're going to trade with Portland now. Like, I just think the fact that Dame could potentially ask out, the Sixers aren't going to do anything to benefit the Portland Trailblazers. If they think that if they think that Ben Simmons makes them a better team than having C.J. McCollum, which you could argue with Norm Powell filling a, de- a decent chunk of C.J. McCollum's role that they could potentially be a better team, that they're not going to do anything to help. 
But if you look at a team like, you know, obviously a team like the Blazers or the Pacers or even the Pelicans or the Wolves, these teams seem pretty desperate to win right now. And Mm -hmm. is there a way that you could do both? So you could essentially get Malcolm Brogdon picks and young players or, you know, Pacers don't have a ton of young players, but the Sixers could get some sort of return where they're getting the sub all-star player and they're getting assets. So we've been, everyone's been talking about the wrong player with the Pacers, in my opinion, right? Who There's a perfect center on Indiana's roster to play with Ben Simmons. Yeah, Miles Is that Turner. not correct? Okay. Sabonis so is an all-star, right? Technically, yes. Okay. He's, what's his contract? Very good. good. Very, very, very good. Yeah, $19 million so, a year. So, and you would say like overall though, Ben's a better player, right? Yeah, I think so. So from again from a value play, and this is where it would get dangerous because you don't want to like walk into the season with like Embiid <laughs> and Sabonis on the same team. But from a pure value standpoint, if you have a deal lined up or you think you know you know you know Beal or Lillard's coming, like that's the other play. Like if we want to get into Indiana, that's one I've brought up before where it's like to me Sabonis makes a ton of sense because that now that solves their sort of center conundrum. They move forward with Turner, they add Simmons. They're a little light on shooting, like, you know, like the, the Levert and Simmons thing's kind of weird, but I think Warren's turned into a decent enough shooter. Yeah. Um, Brogdon's a good enough shooter. So maybe it's like Sabonis, um, like, like Aaron Holiday, maybe. You could get like a Lamb expiring. We, we both like Justin Holiday in like a couple of different iterations. And then maybe it's, maybe it's picks. Like, and, and so now to your point, you're not getting that young, that like, sub all-star that's going to help your team but in terms of value maybe that's the most valuable package and would portland with nurkic on his sort of last year of his deal where i think it's a team option and him having value at that number that they could move would that be someone who like you could build a package around for lillard so first off nurkic would have to opt into his deal so would he opt I thought, into i thought it's a team i thought it's a team option I thought I'm pretty, they I'm the option pretty sure it's a player deal. option. You could double check on that, but I'm fairly certain. Yeah. So, so my whole thing with that wouldn't is, wouldn't he I, be opting? Wouldn't he be opting out this summer? Then he would opt out if da- he he has said I will opt out if Damian Lillard is gone. So he has said that he doesn't want to be there if Dame's gone. He said that you know it, it, there's a lot of elements to it that would that would go into play, but. Back to your original idea for trading for Sabonis. I think that if you had a deal set up, I believe you had a Bradley Beal deal set up where you could essentially build around Sabonis in a trade, flip him to Washington. I think there is the Portland connection too. There is the fact that Sabonis' dad played in Portland. He grew up in Portland. That. <laughs> Right, right. There's there's a PR angle to this whole Portland thing. I think that's like you, there there definitely is. You're trading the greatest player in we, we would agree, right? In Blazers history, like I mean, since Bill Walton, basically, like there, there's definitely a PR piece to this that they have to walk away with something that they can sell the fan base. And I don't. My gut tells me it's not a full rebuild. It, it may be a rebuild, but there has to be like sort of like a marquee. Like, but we got Ben Simmons or we got Sabonis or we got something that like we all feel really excited about. You could essentially do what I my idea was for the Sixers, which is where you get that all-star sub all-star level player back. But you also have leverage in the trade where you can also get 
assets to rebuild on top of that. So like mm-hmm. you're getting Sabonis and Maxi and picks and like all that stuff, which is like, you know, trading for the, like, for example, the Warriors, if they were trying to trade for Damian Lillard would have to send Andrew Wiggins in order to match salary. And like Sabonis definitely, and Ben both definitely have more value on the open market than Andrew Wiggins. So agreed. So you're selling the the Blazers on, you can have a guy that helps you win now and either Ben or Sabonis, but you're also going to end up getting this young prospect in Maxi or I don't know if they're high on Aaron Holiday. He struggled a lot in the NBA so far, but I, I'm not really sure where, where yeah. his value is. Agreed. But like, but there, there are, there are guys that you can include in this sort of trade that could be a, a win now and rebuild in the next few years, which is kind of what a small market like Portland tends to go for. Because other than teams that have Sam Presti like job security in Oklahoma City, small market GMs do not tend to do these moves, whether it's Washington or Portland that are on the verge of potentially making huge trades, like they're, they're going to look for things that can help them now and in the future. So I, I don't hate the idea behind that. I, 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 I just keep thinking about the fact that like, I think that on the basketball court, the, the, what you're saying, like if they move Sabonis, because I, I don't think Ben and Sabonis can play together. The Pacers could no. be an intriguing option. Um, Another team that we we've included on this list is uh, the 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 Warriors, which I've kind of talked myself out of this. I don't. I, really I have. See- to, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think to me they're in the same category as the Wolves in that I just don't think unless Wiseman is included, and again, not for us, but from a value overall value package. I just don't. I don't see how they have enough, even with the two picks they have this year. I don't even think Wiseman has that much value around the league. Like I think that the value that Wiseman will bring to the Warriors from if we can develop this guy and turn him into what we think he can be, he's more valuable to them unless you're attaching a bunch of other shit, the seventh pick, the 14th pick, future picks down the road that maybe when Steph and all them are older, that whatever they send out in a trade is not going to be equal to the value that they get back. But the problem is they also need to win now because they need to maximize Steph Curry's last few years and they need to convince him to stay. All right. Well, uh, let me, let's talk about the Warriors for one second. Can we just, well, let's put a pin in this Ben Simmons, this trade thing. I want to just pitch this idea for the Warriors. I, I think this is, um, practically like interesting. I think in like reality, it's, it's likely not. Okay. So Steph, Steph Curry's salary this season or next season, I think is $45 million. Mm-hmm. He'll be due a raise, um, whatever the percentage is. And, and I think he can sign another, I believe five year extension, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think it's, is there it's any a- world yeah. Is there any world with with Lillard already signed it, signed up or signed for four more years at, at a number that would actually be less than that, crazily? Is there any world where the Warriors and Steph sort of agree? He's he's two years older than Dame. I know he's better than Dame. I understand that. He's going to be making more than Dame. You're going to be committing longer term. 
is there any world where they would like in a three-way with Ben Simmons, let's say, move Steph to the Sixers because like Steph's like, I'd be willing to go there, play with my brother, whatever. The Portland's cool with, with Ben. And then Golden State would replace Steph with Lillard, who's younger. And I think like if there's any player in the NBA that you could like sell to the fan base that like, hey, we got rid of Steph, but like we replaced him with this guy, like you could actually probably get away with it. Like is is there any realm of possibility that that could happen? I think the fact that Dame Lillard is from the Bay, like he's from Oakland, definitely makes it an interesting pitch point. I think that, uh, I think ultimately what would happen is it's 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 like basically every trade that gets brought up for Damian Lillard is hey let's trade him to the Knicks, hey let's trade him to wh- whatever random team you can think of. That team, if you put Damian Lillard on the Warriors, they're just as far, if not further away from being contenders than the Blazers were. So than the Blazers, yeah, I agree with you. I that's agree the with you. Th- it's it basically goes like if you're trading Damian Lillard, he's going to have his his names that he wants to go to, and if he puts the Warriors there, it's because he wants to play with Steph Curry. So with Steph Curry, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. I- I just, I just, I just wonder if the Bla- like, could the Blazers get cute on him and be like, okay, yeah, like we'll, we'll send you there, and then like, you know, they they threw the old switcheroo. It just that's something that's just like I've had in the back of my mind. I I've had the Steph Curry thing even before Maury did like the weird tweet to him, um, like that. If there was anything weird happen with Steph um, this summer with like their extension talk, that like maybe we would be like the one place he would consider going because of the Embiid relationship. And because of his brother, that's that was really like my only angle. I know we've talked about this just in theory in the past, and I definitely think prior to these playoffs, I I kind of thought that that could maybe be a possibility if he's like, I want to go there. We could move Ben, we could move Tobias, we could figure something out, whatever it is. But ultimately, I do think that Steph is going to try try to work it out with the Warriors and. They've shown before with what they did with Kevin Durant, you know, obviously they were in better shape to contend that year. They made it to the finals even when Kevin Durant was hurt, but they they've shown that they're willing to go they're they're willing to essentially risk losing the player for nothing because the worst case scenario for them here is Steph comes back, they play good but not great, and then he a year from now he goes, all right, you guys have Wiseman who you're trying to develop. You have the seventh pick from the last draft, the 14th pick in the last draft. You're trying to develop all these young guys, and I want to win a title. Send me here. Okay, well, if it's a situation like the Kevin Durant situation, they were able to send a first-round pick and get D'Angelo Russell back, who they were then able to flip for Wiggins in the Minnesota pick. So there will be potential asset play for them, even if Steph a year from now decides, I want out. He could say to the Sixers, hey, uh, you know, with Ben Simmons is still on the team or whatever you get in return for Ben Simmons, hey, I'm interested in coming there, but you, like I want you to help out the Warriors essentially because they were good to me and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then they'll send you some bullshit pick and you'll do a sign and trade then. I don't know. It's also possible he just like goes to Miami and signs there. They clear cap space or whatever. Like, you know, there, there are all the, or the Lakers, whatever it is. There are all these possibilities. But the majority of the teams that would want to sign Steph Curry next offseason are probably going to be too good to have cap space. Right. right. So All right. All right. So I want to go back. There's a couple of things I want to button up. Okay. First thing, 
your Yusuf Nurchik contract. He has four million guaranteed. It's okay. fully guaranteed on on eight three. So he has no say over um over his deal. It's it's all in Portland's hands. Okay, so it is a team option. Okay, and then from a structural standpoint, according to Fanspo, the uh, the former NBA trade machine, um, this deal works in, in framework. The Sixers receive Damian Lillard and DeLon Wright. The Kings receive Ben Simmons. The Blazers receive George Hill, Marvin Bagley, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, and every pick the Sixers can send and whatever <laughs> pick you can get from the Kings. But but that works. So so it it's two million more to the Sixers cap. That's the cap impact because you're including George Hill there. Right. Um, it's it's nine million more to the Kings, who I I, I don't know. It says it works. I mean I'm you know I'm I'm trusting it. And I guess because of the minutia of the three teams, it actually saves the Blazers like eleven million dollars, which I think could also play a part, right? I yeah. think that could play a part. So there is a framework of a three-team deal, like with what we discussed earlier. Whether the value is enough, I don't know. It maybe isn't. If you know, maybe it isn't. Um, I'm I'm higher on Halliburton, I think, than some people. I think Bagley's interesting to get a look at um, and have his kind of restricted rights, and then. Having Maxi and Halliburton basically for the next three years on rookie deals, I think would have some appeal. I do. Yeah, think. and the two Tyrese's in the NBA. There's a branding thing there. Um, <laughs> no, I but like that. I, like I, that. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, there was actually a report that came out today that said from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer that said the teams that have been the most aggressive so far in pursuing Damian Lillard were the Kings, the the Kings, the Knicks, the Sixers, the Heat. And the Rockets. And my thought I on saw that- the Rockets. I saw the Rockets thing and I thought that was weird. And then I saw the Kings thing and I was like, I wonder if that yes. is isn't what I'm thinking. You're that's exactly what I'm thinking. The Rockets and the and, and the Kings are calling. They know they have no shot at getting Damian Lillard. They're not gonna be on his list. They're not contending. They're angling to be involved in some sort of three-team trade. That has yep. to be what it is because the, those. I know that they're Maury guys, like both of their front office guys are former, like Stone and uh, and uh, McNair are both Maury guys, and they tend mm-hmm. to take those big swings and go get the day. But they both are smart enough to know that like Damian Lillard isn't going to put them on their list. They're not going to win a title with Damian Lillard with when you consider what they have to give up to get him in the first place. So. I think that that is the angle that they're trying to work is, hey, if you're get, if you're fielding offers for these guys, for McCollum, for Damian Lillard, we want to be a third team that could potentially take on a guy, maybe get a pick out of it for taking on salary, all that kind of stuff. I think that that's where they're angling, or maybe they're looking to dump salary in trades, Eric Gordon, Buddy Heald, those kinds of yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I thought that was an interesting report, and I thought it was pretty telling. Um, we have two more teams on our, our Ben list. Do we want to hit them real quick and then kind of like wrap yeah. it all into the Dame stuff? I know you have – you want to talk about Cavs, and I'll talk about the Bulls? Sure. So I think the Cavs ultimately uh, – it's another situation where I, I know that me and you both like the idea of the upside of Colin Sexton, but I don't think that – by the way, I, I shared this with you and I shared this on Twitter. I've shared this with a few people whose teams are interested in Colin Sexton. And I'm not saying that Colin Sexton is this player. But if you want an interesting comparison for age 22 seasons, go look at Donovan Mitchell's second year in the NBA when he was 22 years old and look at Colin Sexton's third year in the NBA. 
and the stats are identical. Now, I, I don't buy that Sexton can't be more valuable in a situation where he doesn't have as much creation load on his hands. I don't buy that he doesn't have more upside. He's a very athletic, incredibly hard worker. He's a small guy, which is why Donovan Mitchell came to mind instead of some of these bigger guys like Zach Levine that have breakouts later in their careers as scores. But I, I like the idea of Colin Sexton. I just wish that he was a few years older so that you could get the the actualized version of Colin Sexton as opposed to the 23-year-old version of Colin Sexton, which is what you run into with a lot of these trades. I think that if the Sixers were to buy low on Colin Sexton and maybe fit him into the trade exception for picks and try to make it work with the current roster that they have because he's only making $6 million this year, I would be interested. He's probably the only guy they're going to move. Kevin Love's contract is just too bad unless you could find a third team to dump it on. I just don't see that kind of trade working for the Sixers. Um, I also just don't think that that fits good. I don't think that they're going to give up the third pick. I, the Cavs are out of my mind right now. I don't think they're a realistic per, I don't think they're a realistic suitor. And if they are, it would be a pretty big shock to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, I mean, three would be really nice. I, I don't feel like that's in play, and I don't feel like Garland is in play. If either one yeah. of those were in play in a Ben deal, my I would be like literally all ears because totally again, agree. I think that those are those are two really good assets. Um. I don't hate I don't hate the premise of a Nance expiring Prince deal Sexton and like three future first. I don't hate that because I think I think Nance would be like a solution to the backup big position for us. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you this, with Sexton. I, it's funny. Like I either wish I agree with you. I wish Sexton was either like a year or two older or a year or two younger. So if you were trading him to Portland, right. they would be like, yeah, and here's a guy you're going to have to pay a lot yeah. to in six months. And you don't really know. Well, what do you think real quick on Portland? What do you think about Simons? Where do you think the Blazers are on him? Well, they're a year for, away from paying him too. I think that I know. I, I, I think my, my whole thing was when they traded for Norman Powell, I thought they were angling to trade CJ McCollum this offseason because you can say, all right, we'll replace him with Norman Powell. He'll be the starting shooting guard. And then we'll have Simons come off the bench to fill in some of the shooting we're losing with CJ because Simons has become an absolute sniper. He's kind of in that mold of player. I don't think he's going to be as good as CJ McCollum. I actually think Sexton has more things that are comparable to CJ McCollum from just like a statistical standpoint. He's it's, it's an interesting comparison too. But um, I think that they probably value him higher. Portland, a lot of these small markets, Toronto, Portland, San Antonio, they always value their players more than other teams do. At, and Toronto yeah. isn't a small market, but they a- operate like one where like if you want to get Fred Van Fleet from the Raptors, it's going to take a lot more just because they know they have him on a good contract. He's a good culture guy like they like their guys. So I just think that any sort of deal where you're trying to extract value from one of these small market teams, they're going to treat their young players like they're all stars essentially. So it's going to be hard to kind of figure out their value versus what the rest of the league views their value. No, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. So um, again, if, if number three or Garland became part of a package, I would be very interested. Um, 
if there were a lot of future picks, again, I think just like T Wolves picks, I think Cavs future first have value. I think they hold value. Absolutely. Um, I would. I think that would be a tough sell to to Embiid. I, I think that would probably be a tough sell. Um, and then let me just go through Chicago real quick. So the same sort of premise: young players. They've got guys like Kobe White, Patrick Williams, um, that have shown, I think, a little bit of promise. I think Patrick Williams actually showed a lot of. I, I, I like him. Um, yeah, he was pretty good I don't this know year. If he's like. Yeah, I don't know if he's like your blue chipper. He seems more like a like a third guy, like a prime Otto Porter like type type. Um, as Maybe. far as like, I mean, he's really young. That's the thing with Patrick yeah. Williams. He's like, yeah, no, he was so, the youngest player in the last draft, except for Pokashevsky, I believe. So the Bulls, um, the Bulls have the matching contracts, like not really of any like super value. Well, I shouldn't say that. Good players, but I don't know how perfect their fits were. Like, I don't think Thad's a great fit for us. Yeah, Sadoransky would be okay, but like he's not moving the needle. Um, uh, uh, Aminu, I think they have like he has a, t- a player option. Like they could make the money work. I think a Levine, Simmons, and um, Vooch is a, is like a pretty nice little three man team there. So I could see. I, I that's why I think they ha- would have interest. Um, they're kind of screwed up with picks because of that Vooch deal. So it'd be hard to add. I think yeah. a lot more picks. That's the thing. But I I, I think. I would imagine they'll be sniffing around because I think that's a good three man like core. I mean, again, it's not a championship. I would not by any means, but I, you know, not everyone's like competing for championships. I mean, no, like I everyone think they want to be relevant. Is, but yes, exactly. So, so I think like before we get into the Dame stuff, like my whole premise to you was, and maybe this Dame stuff happens quickly, and I hope that does. My fear is that if it doesn't, and the Beal stuff doesn't, or even if it doesn't happen till later in the summer. Like, I'm not, everyone's, like, convinced, like, well, you just keep Ben on the team next year. Like, dude, I've, like, been fooled enough times by Ben Simmons, man. Like, I think the only thing that could happen is his value go down next year. I really do not think his value can creep that much up. And that would be my fear and why I feel like you need to make one of these moves now if you can't get, if, like, Lillard or Beal, and really those are the two guys for me. I mean, maybe there's other names that will, will, you know, pop, but to me it's, You've got to pair um, Joel with either Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal. And you got to do it as soon as humanly possible. But it's not in our control. So I just think they have to move Ben. And that's what, where my whole premise came of, like, I don't want to just do a deal. If we can do what you discussed, like, if, if the Pacers will give us Brogdon and give us picks, like, I'm all for that. But yeah. I, I don't know if that's, like, super realistic. So I don't know. Like, let's... Does that make sense to you? Like, my, no, like, yeah, it makes like a lot why of sense. I think that way. Do you, do you agree? Do you do you think you can go into next season with Ben Simmons on the roster? I've said before I don't think you can, and I I actually think that what you're saying is right. It, it, and you know, I I know that Spike Gaskin has been saying this on rights to Ricky Sanchez. It's it, it's different than the Horford situation, but it's not in that like there are things bigger than just like oh, the Sixers like Ben Simmons or like they want to build up his trade value or whatever. Like reports have got out there from Shams now. Reports have got out there from Mark Stein. Like I think that they'll be patient ultimately because they want to see how everything unfolds. But then you risk the trade market drying up. It's basically you're trying to 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 balance this perfectly. You don't want to wait too long and have the trade market for Ben Simmons be non-existent by the end of the offseason because everyone's made their moves. 
and you're you might be stuck with him, but you also don't want to sell so low on him that you're not able to have flexibility and not able to move guys in trades to potentially get that second superstar to put with him. Now, my question for you is, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. I think you've mentioned it before. I've heard a few people. Do you think that Damian Lillard potentially asking out has the Wizards thinking we got to move Beal now? Because if we don't move Beal now, yeah, he he can opt out in a year. He will could walk for nothing, and there's no way that we can make this team into a contender this year and make him happy. Should we just try to sell high on Beal? Not that you know, Beal's value is going to dip or anything, but while we can get the most back for him. And can we do it before Damian Lillard so that we can get potentially a package similar to Damian Lillard? Yeah, right. There's two sides of that sword. One is like you can beat the market and get get the deal like that teams are going to be putting together for Lillard if Portland's kind of dragging their feet. Maybe you can snag one of them and then the market sort of resets and you don't know what it's going to reset to. You don't know what teams will be left. Or you can wait to let the Lillard thing maybe happen and then like... <laughs> kind of get like sloppy seconds and like maybe teams will be more desperate, but like maybe not. Maybe it's like, wow, we liked Lillard because he was signed for four years and like, you know, Beal could, you know, do we have that guarantee from Brad? Like I I think it could, it could accelerate that. And and that would be really exciting if both these guys are really in play this summer, because that, that gives us an opportunity to, you know, get the best deal. Like I'm pretty ambivalent on either, to be honest. What what is your preference? Do you have a strong preference one way or the other? So I've been thinking a lot about this actually. And I think that Damian Lillard is obviously the better player. I think that he's the true number one perimeter option on a championship level kind of guy. I do think that the one thing that people are underestimating with the, there are two elements of it. One Damian Lillard is a pick and roll guy. Like that is his bread and butter is pick and roll. And if there's one thing we know about Joel Embiid and people can say, well, he's never had a guard that can run pick and roll. And I'm like, well, he's not a pick and roll big. He doesn't have, he's not going to be jumping out there, catching lobs every play. He's not going to be, you know, he might be more of a pick and pop threat than he is as a pick and roll threat. So there is at least an element of that where I go, it's not a perfect fit. Like that, that is where Dame absolutely, like, like I said, that's his bread and butter. Obviously you would worry about that later. Like you get two top 10, top 12 players and figure it out later. I'm not too worried about that. But the other thing that I do think about is like, what does a package look like for Bradley Beal versus Damian Lillard? Because Damian Lillard's locked up for the next four years. This is a absolutely unique scenario in that these kind of things don't happen and the market for him could be bigger because of that. Bradley Beal's going to pick three or four teams and say, I'm out of here in a year. And if you send me somewhere I don't want to go, then I'm just going to opt out of my contract and become a free agent next summer. And then that scares teams off from including all of their best assets in a trade. So if the trade came down to the same package for both of them, I'd obviously go with the Damian Lillard package. I think I'd go with a Damian Lillard package either way, but I do think that there is an interesting option where like, what if you figured out a third team for Ben Simmons or if the wizards just really like Ben Simmons and they wanted Ben Simmons and they, and you were able to get like, you were able to do like Simmons maxi or Thibel and like two or three first round picks 
for Beal, even though I think that he'll probably end up going for more than this, just like hypothetically speaking. Whereas you'd have to throw every pick at the Blazers. You'd have to throw every young player at the Blazers. You'd have to give them Ben Simmons. You'd have to do everything that you want them to do. And I actually think that the Beal Embiid fit is kind of underrated good. Like I think that Beal as a second offensive option and the prime perimeter guy, like, I think he can be a championship-level player. I think that what's happened in Washington is, like, he's been on bad teams for years. He was not the same player a few years ago when he was the second-best player. And I think that that team would also have championship potential, but obviously not as immediate and as, like, Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid could win the title next year. And I think – all good points. All good points. And I think, like – Beal's got this rap as like a really bad defender. I I don't think he's as bad as like it's it, the numbers like appear to be to my eye. Uh, you know, I think the other thing with Lillard, and again, like we're we're picking nits for sure, but I yes. do think, and we're going to talk about this at the end. Assuming you like empty the coffers for Lillard, or or mostly enter the coffers for Beal, like how do you fill out the rest of like the team around Embiid? And and I guess Tobias is still here. I think you and I have kind of gone back and forth, like whether we think we'll be here or not. I think we're both leaning to like, maybe he will be now. Um, How do you fill in? Because you're going to have to protect Lillard maybe a little bit more defensively, which means like, can you really play Seth like a whole lot with him? Mm -hmm. Maybe in the regular season, but probably not in the playoffs. And, and, and Seth's probably your best shooting guard option unless you can get Danny back, who, again, we love Danny Green and I would love him back, but is limited in his, like, you know, as, as we've seen in the playoffs, like you got to be able to put the ball on the floor a little bit too. Yep. So I don't know. I, I, it just leads me to my ambivalence. Like if you can just snag either one and, and pay, like you said, and pay less for one, like I would probably lean that way. Um, but you've, you've got to come away with one of those two guys. Like, and it's, it's been Beal for a while, like never in my wildest dreams that I think Lillard would ever like be in this even hypothetical situation. So now that he is, like, you just have to find a way to make this happen. So that being said, you, you mentioned Spike and Mike. I listened to them today. They said for Dame, you know, they went through kind of what was sourced and I think what they maybe thought. They said Knicks, Sixers, um, um, Warriors, and Heat. Do you, do you have any other teams you think will be in play for Dame? Um, I think there are hypotheticals that I could think of probably, but I don't think that any of them are actually in reality. Like I think the Celtics should hypothetically be in on Damian Lillard, but I don't think that's going to be reality. I think the teams that they named were, were fair, like fine. I don't, I don't think that if I were to look at the packages from the other teams, I wouldn't think that any of them were interesting enough unless the Blazers really value Wiseman or hero or something I'm not thinking of. You're right. So that's what I wanted to hear from you. Like, what do you think, what do you think a Dame package looks like? Like, let's say if, let's say it's straight up with the Sixers, Ben Simmons, they, they want them. They like them. They think they can sell them to their, you know, it's, it's not one of these other three way. They like Ben more than any of the other guys they can get from better than Wiggins as a salary match, better than, you know, some of the things from the heat or, or, um, or I don't even, the Knicks, I guess it's like, what is it? RJ Barrett and like, cap space back basically picks, picks picks yeah do they have a ton of picks um and then also maybe they like quickly i don't know but i think that if i don't think that the knicks are any better than the blazers um in that situation right. so, so unless there's so someone let's, else let's going say, there give me i'm i'm neil o'shea you're daryl okay. Morey. what's the ben package that i'm gonna go okay like you've got a deal 
What's that look like? I mean, I really think it would have to be everything. Like, I think it would have to be, I think you'd have to put Ben, obviously. Ben is like the centerpiece. Maxi and Thibel? Yes, 100%. I think you'd have to give up Maxi, Thibel, Ben. I think potentially any of the other guys that they would like that you wouldn't really care about parting with, uh, whether it's like Isaiah Joe or Paul Reed or whatever. And then picks, swaps. Like, I think the... The Portland is going to look at this like you're getting a top 12 player in the NBA in his prime for four years and you have Joel Embiid and you need to maximize yeah. his prime. I know that it doesn't seem like they have a lot of leverage, but they still technically have like all the leverage in the world. And I think that they that would be like something so, like I, I think you'd have to give up your picks and your swaps. Like I think that that like this is going to be a massive deal, whatever they get back. So you can, so let's get into the picks because I, I, I think people are kind of maybe interested in that. So what the Sixers can do is they can trade the right, they can draft a player at 21 and send the rights to that player. So essentially they can trade yeah. 21. If, tw- I mean, this, this 21st pick, 20, uh, 2021. Yes. Yeah. By, by selecting the player, by selecting the player and sending it to the team, they can, they can then still trade 2022. If they can, if they can get Presti to agree to take, 2025 the pick they owe OKC in 2025 and move it to 2026 and for doing that they remove all protections which right now it's one through four then yeah. they, that frees up 2024 and then would also free up which they can set which they can trade now is 2028 so basically it would be from a before you can even get into swaps it would be 21 it would be this year it would be 22 24 28 picks and then basically every swap but 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean that, wait. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I mean, like, I think that ultimately any sort of Damian Lillard deal is going to require, okay, so here's the thing. The Nets got back for James Harden, what we're discussing right now, but they didn't get back that I'm sorry, the Rockets got back for James Harden, what we're discussing now in terms of a pick package, but they also didn't get those prospects that were the Maxis, the Thibos, the Ben Simmons, whatever. Like they got back salary filler, essentially. Um, And Victor Oladipo, who even knows if he had any value around the league. So you're basically, the, the, the difference between the Harden and the Dame situation is, Harden was throwing a, a fit and didn't want to be in, in Houston anymore. I don't think Dame's going to do that unless things get even worse. Um, I don't think he's going to do that to the city, the franchise, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's also locked up for four more years. So you have it uh, compared to two with Harden. And we also don't know if what the offers could the other offers could be and where Dame is willing to go. Cause it sounded like Harden only wanted to go to one of two places, which was here or the nets. And I wonder if, if Dame comes out with his list and has three teams, then I think that the, that's in the Sixers benefit. I think that if the Sixers are one of those teams that it's like, all right, send me to back home to play in the Bay, send me to Philly, send me to Miami. Then the Sixers are essentially just bidding against the Warriors unless the Heat are willing to put Bam at a bio on the table. I still think it would be a pretty big haulback, but I don't know. Would it be an Anthony Davis haul? Would it be a bunch of those players and picks? Or would it be maybe you can hold on to a few picks 
or you can hold on to one of Maxi or Thibel. I I tend to think it would have to be like a lot of that just because Ben's value is not high right now. Do you think so? Bam's going to get a max. Con- did he already sign a max contract? Yeah, he did. Or is, is he kick- gonna, he's due for it. It's about to kick in. It kicks in. Okay. Let me just ask you this. Would you rather have just no context? Would you rather have Sabonis on the deal he's on for the next three or four years? Or would you rather have Bam on the Bam. deal he's on for the next three or four years? Bam, not even a question. Okay. I think Bam what is if way you better had than Sabonis. Sabonis? Even what if you what if you added first round picks, unprotected first round picks to that? I'm the kind of person that like if I'm interested in getting back the best player possible, then I in this scenario, if I'm Portland, I'm taking the picks. Like I would prefer the picks. Now we've talked about this whole small market thing, having to sell it to your fans and you know, Bam's what, 23 years old and like has already been in a finals and was the second best player on that yeah. team and has shown upside that like in a few years we could be talking about him in the same conversation as like Jokic and Embiid and stuff. Like, I don't think he's going to become you think that offensively. You think no, offensively no, no, no. I don't he's think got he's that gonna, kind of package. I don't think he's going to become one of those guys. But I think that you could be talking about him as like the third best center in the league with like Cat and like in a league that has so few good centers there's value to having one of those top five guys like right now i would say he's a top five or a top six center and i think that defensively he's like the perfect kind of center for the modern nba and then offensively if he continues to work on his outside shot he's already a pretty good passer i think that like the things that he lacks he's actually kind of He's better than Ben now, I think. It's it's fair to say that. But like I think that he kind of has that similar thing with Ben where it's like a mindset thing with him where like if he wants to be aggressive and he is aggressive, like he's a totally different player. And I think that if he can and he's shown mid-range game, he's shown a little bit of self-creation ability, he might be able to stretch it out to the three-point line. Like I think that the difference between Bam and Sabonis to me is a very big difference. Like, I think that Sabonis is a ceiling capper, and I think that, like, I think he captures it. Like, you'll, I don't think you'll, he'll ever win a title with him as your best or your second best player. I think that Bam could be in the conversation maybe for second best player. He already was in a finals as one. So, so I think that just from so, like a so my, pure, like, my, my, if I'm trading for one. Yeah. So I, my theory with Bam, I have like a, a max guy theory. It's like first max in, third max in. So like to me, you wouldn't want Bam to be your first max in. Meaning like if he's your first max guy, you're going to have a tough time filling out the rest of your team. To me, he's mm-hmm. the guy you max when you have the two other guys max, which they've got Butler. So I understand why they maxed him. I'm not disputing that. And I think he is better than Sabonis. But I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would totally agree with where, with where Portland's about to go. If I would want, if I would want him as like, and basically just him, because I would imagine if Miami did do that, which I wouldn't put it past Riley to be honest. Like, I, no, neither would the I. The more you just talked about that, like, if they go, hey, listen, we'll do, we'll do him, and like that's basically it, and like, and Portland feels like he's that much better than Simmons and and an aggregate deal from anyone else. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't that wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past Riley to do that, especially like I think they feel like pretty high on precious who isn't isn't the size quite that that bam is but i think like 
maybe they feel like, you know, they, they have someone in house that's capable of, of doing some of that defensive stuff. So, um, but I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know. So you would think if he's on the table, he would trump basically any deal those four teams could put together. I think he would be the best player available. I don't know if it would be a, of, of, in, of the most interest to Portland, I think that uh, if I was Portland, I wouldn't care to get Bam out of bio. Although maybe maybe I would, but like I just think that like if Bam is your best player, you're not going to be very good uh, that's, until maybe that's he's my, right. Time. That's yeah, exactly. That's my point. And I think if I'm Neil O'Shea, and you can't and get I'm, picks, I'm, I, that's the big thing because Miami doesn't have picks. Correct, correct. And so like to me, it's like I've got to do this balancing act where. You know, to your point, maybe maybe I'm only building a 30 win team, but I've got to at least sell some positive PR that like, hey, we got a blue, ch- we got an all star, right. Sabonis, we got an all NBA guy, Ben Simmons, we got picks, we got young guys, like you said. So, to me, like, I, I do think the Sixers can can come out of this with with Lillard if they really want to, and if he really wants to leave, like that's going to be the other piece. Like how how. How like sharp is the tra- trade request? Is it like right. I'm I need to get out of here, or it's like I want to leave? Please help me. Like is like how like to what degree is it? <laughs> is it one of those things where where they feel comfortable going into the season with Dame? To your point, because they feel like they just haven't gotten the offer they want yet. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. I think that the seeds have been planted. I think everything that has happened so far is everything that happens right before a guy asks for a trade. I think that, you know, all the same things that he said is everything that James Harden said. It's everything that whichever star asked out before that said. So I think that we are within a year minimum of him asking out. Now, is it this offseason? Is it next offseason? Is it during the season? I don't know. I don't think there's anything that Portland can do to make themselves into a contender this offseason, and I think he knows that. So I think that if he sits on it and they make a bunch of deals and he looks at the team and doesn't like it, then he can say, well, I tried, and he can ask out. So we'll see. I Ultimately, I think that what it will come down to is where where Dame wants to go and what teams he's willing to put on his list. Cause I do think that Portland will still do right by him and trade him to the place that he wants to go. One of the few. And then, you know, the Sixers are definitely in the conversation. I don't know if they have the best package. If the Celtics ever popped in and put Jalen Brown on the table, they might have it. But, the, but then again, like the guys that you're going to get for Damian Lillard in a trade are not going to be best player on a championship level good. Like, I like Jalen Brand a lot, but, like, he's a two or a three. I like Bam Adebayo a lot. He's a two or a three. Like, I don't think that yeah. any of these guys, Ben Simmons too, like, none of these guys are going to ever be the best player on a championship team. If Damian Lillard wasn't able to be for you, I don't think that you're going to be able to justify trading for one of those guys, thinking that they're going to make you into a contender right away or even a contender eventually. So... Let's just wrap up the Dame thing with talking a little bit just very briefly about if they were to pull off a move where they essentially gut their debt, send out Ben Simmons, send out their young guys, make everything work with Dame. I'm of the mindset that you just do whatever you do. I think that you're kind of in in the same boat in that like you do what you need to do to get Damian Lillard and you figure out the rest later. But you think that there might be a little bit more of a trickiness in terms of like building around Damon and Bede. And I, I, I'm, I don't feel quite as, as bad about that, but I'll explain why. 
Well, there's a couple things. So one is we're let's just, we're assuming we have Tobias still in the, these scenarios, which that could be a part of it. Where if maybe you do move him and you strip his salary out for some like more, um, and you just go with like the two headed monster, and you have like some more um, parts versus just like it all kind of in Tobias. Um, you know, let's agree to like what we have left. So we assume we're trading Thibel, Maxi. Ben, that would be enough to match on Dane. So we, we still have Hill. We still have Seth Curry, I think. I, I don't think the Blazers, as, as much as like he's a good player, I don't feel like they would actually ask for him. I could be wrong. Um, you have rights on Green. You have rights on Furcon. And you're saying you think most of our young players are gone. Like you think Matisse is gone. So how, how are you getting – like all we have is we have our – if we have our three big guys and Tobias is still here, the cap has exploded. Like our, yes. our salary cap and luxury tax has exploded, right? So every dollar they spend is like three times whatever they spend. You have the um, taxpayer mid-level, you have the TPE, and then you have minimums. And you, you really don't have any draft picks. I mean, I guess you have like a second rounder, number 50, that you can you know fill a roster spot with. I, I guess in this scenario, like you're, you you want to bring back Danny Green, but he kind of has you over a like he, he kind of has some leverage because it's like if you lose him, what do you do? Like so, Hollinger, I don't know if you said you didn't read the article. Hollinger had him pegged at like another like two year, thirty million dollar deal was his okay. guess at at his contract. So you probably have to ante up for that. You probably let Furcon walk. Maybe you, you you hang on to Isaiah Joe. How, like how are you getting? How are you filling out the rest of the roster? So, first off, my thought on the Danny Green thing. If Danny Green truly does want to leave, he's not going to leave the Sixers to go to, like, I don't think that he's going to leave to go to, like, the Knicks or, like, even, like, back to San Antonio or whatever. Like, one of these teams that has cap space. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe if they throw a bag at him, he he would consider it. I think that Danny's value lies in going to contenders. And I think that if you are to trade him, that you could facilitate some sort of sign in trade where like if he wants out and he gets a two for I, I don't think he's going to get 15 million a year. I think that Hollinger values Danny Green probably more than any person in the world. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that, seemed, that, that seemed a, that seemed a little high. I, I, I was I was thinking more like two, I was actually two twenty like three twenty. I was thinking like three twenty four, like and maybe yeah. some of that last year money is like non-guaranteed so it's like a 220 basically yeah yeah i i think that that's somewhere in the reasonable ballpark and i think that if you were to do that and you could figure out some sort of sign and trade with him where like okay you sign him and you send him to the clippers or you send him to like a team that's going to maybe the clippers aren't in the picture now because Kawhi's hurt or whatever but like a team like that you can either do one of two things you can either get back a player in that trade you can continue to just like send out like George Hill, Anthony Tolliver, whatever, and get back like, like at this point we're talking about like the money from the cap is just like absolutely insane. If you're keeping Tobias and Dame and Embiid and blah 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 and all that, but I, but I'm just thinking from the perspective of the Sixers, like if you're gonna lose this thing for this guy for nothing, you only have that eight million dollar trade exception you had from the original Danny Green deal. And then you have George Hill, Tolliver, whatever. You could get back $25 million per. This would be a lot harder if you were to do a Dame deal and get, uh, you know, and keep Tobias. So I think that ultimately, like you said, he has you over a barrel. You probably have to bring back Danny Green. Maybe you're paying him 10, 12 
million dollars a year to come back up to be your fifth starter. Okay, so you have Danny Greenbeck. I think that George Hill is not fully washed. I think what we saw of him in the playoffs was obviously disappointing. But my big thing with getting Dame and Embiid is that fitting the pieces around them becomes so much easier to me because a guy like George Hill, who was ultimately tasked with all this, like he's going to be tasked with like creation abilities and like, he's going to have to do whatever, like you can essentially turn him into a spot up shooter who is able to attack closeouts and play defense. Like he can be three and D George Hill. He can be uh, just a straight up role player. You don't need him to come off the bench and be your backup point guard and run the offense and do whatever. If you have Damian Lillard, like that's ultimately what kind of, you know, the idea behind that is. And then maybe you, you compare him with uh, Seth or shake. If he's still on the roster to kind of take off some of the, the uh, ball handling responsibilities like they did this year. And you're essentially then looking at the taxpayer mid-level, you're looking at veterans minimums, which like my whole thing is if you have, if you have, but, but the thing is, is like, if you have your starters, let's say Danny comes back to say Seth comes back to say Dame, Tobias and bead. And then George Hill is your sixth man. Like, Oh man, I'm not feeling great about this. Okay. Use your taxpayer mid-level on a seventh guy. And then hope that one of Isaiah, yep. Joe, Paul Reed, shake Milton, whoever you have left on the team can be an eighth or a ninth guy. And then on top of that, if you're using your veteran minimums, their veteran minimum guys tend to look for contenders and they tend to look for teams where they're going to get playing time. And the Sixers would be able to offer both of that. On top of that, you're now not looking on the the end of your roster with, with with guys for shot creation, which is incredibly hard to find a Cameron Payne or Reggie Jackson or someone who can create their own offense on a veteran's minimum. Those kind of guys, once they do, they get paid. And like those guys are going to get paid this offseason. You can find a David Nawaba. You can find a Tory Craig. You can find guys that you can just plug in as your seventh, eighth men to come in and play essentially spot minutes, which is what the Bucks have done this year. And honestly, the Suns did it too with Tory Craig. <laughs> so like I think well, well the Suns the Suns absolutely the Suns absolutely cleaned up. I mean they're they're you know Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway, Tory Craig, like just I mean again I I know these guys aren't stars and some of them aren't even playing in like the you know, the finals, but like they all played minutes during the year. They've yeah, all Javon like, Carter started. Yeah, like they, they just nailed it. I guess I, I was really dis- – honestly, I was really disappointed in, in Maury's performance in, like, that world this season. I agree. Because I thought that was a place where we had opportunity for guys to play because we had so many young guys. And I think, you know, River, you know, with, maybe this was his agenda, but I think Rivers would have played veterans over those younger guys. For sure. But my, um, my whole thing I, has been, like, kind of like having those young guys is your lottery ticket. Like – if one of those three hits, if one of those four hits, you have tremendous value. Whereas if you sign a veteran guy, he's probably gone in a year. You have yeah. two to three years of Shake Milton, of Isaiah Joe, of Paul Reed, of whoever. Yeah. And you have the cost controlled element, which is why I think they might end up keeping their pick this year if they can't find a trade for it. Because you get one and, more of those lottery ticket type deals that you're going to need. Yeah, and... And we've talked about this guy before. I mean, this would be like my number one with a bullet with that trade exception. Um, and, and I would be willing to put that number 28, you know, trade it for, for Justin Holiday because he's Absolutely. got two years left at like $5 million. And I think especially if you're in this like, you know, if you make this Dane deal, maybe you can hang on to 28 just because it's like 
it's not a great pick this year. You're going to give them 22 and 24 and 28 yeah. and every swap. Like maybe like it's like, hey, like can we just like hang on to like this one? And I would do that deal because I feel like, you know, he's, he's not like the greatest player by any means, but I think he could step in to be a fifth starter. He can be a sixth man. He can defend. Um, it gives you some like, you know, uh, a little bit of help against like Dame's limitations defensively. I do think like I like your George Hill thought because I think what you would do a lot with Lillard is you'd run him in some of the packages that the Sixers did with like Seth and with like Redick, where instead of having just like kind of a, a you know, one option shooter coming off that now you've got Lillard who can do anything. So maybe it's yes. not like a traditional pick and roll, but it's like, we're actually going to play you off the ball a little bit and, and then get you the ball in places where now you're running the offense and can, you know, drive to the lane, dump it off to Embiid, kick out the shooters, pull up for three. And, and maybe it's like more like that, how you use them, which isn't again, maybe not ideal for him, but we'll put him in good positions to be successful. So I, you make a good argument. I, I do think it'll be, I do think we'd be like kind of biting our nails going into the playoffs being like, do we have six guys we can like count on? Like we've, you know, you know, we feel good about our starters maybe, but like it would get, it would get scary, but yeah, that might be worth it for, it it will be worth it for a little for sure. Um, But, but it would be nice to just have any, like if we could keep Matisse somehow, like, like just like one thing where you're just like, okay, we still have that. And just for the defensive um, of losing Ben and then, having to kind of cover up for Dame defensively. I, I yeah, would, absolutely. I'd love to keep Matisse now. No, I totally agree with that. But at the same time, like, we say all that stuff about how Phoenix nailed it and they have all this depth and stuff, and then Dario Saric goes down and they fall apart. So, like, in the same way that when a star goes down, teams can get fucked if they're top-heavy, sometimes it's role players. And, like, ultimately, I'll take my chances with... Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid with Tobias Harris as the third guy or whoever is that third guy if they end up moving Tobias for a more cost-controlled contract or they just salary dump him and try to use him as an asset play for another big star contract, whatever it is, or trade. My, my, My ultimate thing is like get those two, figure out the rest, but let's just hypothetically say let's let's wrap it up here come up with it i'll run down a few things that i wanted to touch on as targets so some of these names we have brought up this is in the scenario that we could trade for dame or we could not trade for dame let's just keep our options open because i pick guys that i think would fit with either team um i think ultimately a lot of these guys are going to be harder to make work contract wise if you trade for dame because dame's going to make 40 million dollars next year so like for example Trading for Malcolm Brogdon is probably off the table. Trading for Harrison Barnes is probably off the table. But if you were to keep Ben Simmons or turn Ben Simmons into contracts that are closer to $30 million and you had a few of these guys, we've already talked about Colin Sexton, which I think you would agree with me. If you can get him for essentially nothing, you would take the chance on him. Not nothing. I shouldn't say that, but like a first round pick and like one of our prospects or something. Yeah. Yeah, like I absolutely. would take the upside swing on him, even if it's just for a year, and then a year from now you can figure out a sign and trade, or you could just like match something that he gets in in restricted free agency or whatever it is. So I think Justin Holiday is another guy we talked about. That's that's like my I, I think that you said it, I've said it. I think that will be one of Maury's number one targets this offseason from like a value contract standpoint. Like he really overpays in trades sometimes for guys like that. Like 
he looks at guys that have at least two years left on their deal because he doesn't want a situation like the Danny Green situation to happen where like he comes in now it's like oh we have to pay him or he might walk like he wants guys that are under a contract so a few other guys that I have on there other than him are I'm just going to run down a few names and and tell me if any of them stand out to you some I've discussed so on the other podcasts some I haven't so the other targets I have on here are Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic who I think they would be willing to move on from him uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think that if yeah, the I like Lakers, that one. I, I think that if the Lakers want to try to get Dinwiddie or one of these guys that they could get in the sign and trade or whatever, they're going to have to free up cap space. And if they can't move on from Kuzma, KCP could be interesting. Larry Nance Jr. is a guy we touched on. Jamichael Green is an interesting guy. These are essentially trying to solve that backup five mm. position, but also guys that can play with Embiid if they need to. Um, Derek White from the Spurs was apparently uh, available. And then uh, and then Chris Boucher from the Raptors, who is who has another year left at $7 million. Yeah, Boucher would be dreamy. Um, I, like, I like those names. I like all those names. Um, I like Ross is intriguing because I think that's the type of like playoff guy that I have in mind where it's like, yeah, some nights he's going to stink, but other nights you'll play him 30 minutes and he'll score like 26 points. Yeah. And like, you know, that, that Lou Williams type of guy. So I, I, I like that idea. Um, a couple of people mentioned like uh, Gorgie De- uh, Jang. I like, I like him as a, as a hypothetical backup. I think he's big. a free agent. Um, he is, yeah, he's a free agent. You're, these were all trade candidates, right? That you, yes. you had. Yeah, I have him later yeah. on the list. Um, another guy that's interesting. I don't know how much he would help, but if you were trying to kick that TPE forward, is Wancho in uh, Minnesota? He's he's on the mm-hmm. books for like seven million this coming year, and then it's it's um, non guaranteed in twenty twenty two. So like. If, if, like, again, like, all else fails, like, this TP is going to expire, I don't think Minnesota would, like, want really anything for him. He, he's okay. Like, he, he's played in the NBA. You know, he, he's, he's definitely played. I mean, you could play him. Um, so, you know, he could, he could eat some minutes during the regular season. He's just a guy I kind of had circled because he was, like, a little bit of a stretch four. He's kind of, like, one of those hypothetical shooters. Like, he, he yeah. doesn't actually make a lot, but, like, you, you think he might. Um, but that would allow them to keep that – to kind of keep that contract on the books, you know, if they get skittish about committing that kind of money to Furcon over like three or four years, maybe they, they, they do that for Wancho and they've got that as like a trade asset that they can use during the regular season. Another thing, like, I just want to bring up um, before we end is like, do you think that this, this past year's trade deadline was like sort of like a warning to like teams that like, Hey, you got to get your business done in the off season. Because we didn't see quite as much movement at the trade deadline, and and things seemed more costly because so many teams were in that playoff race. Yeah. Do you, do you think it was sort of a cautionary tale? Like, hey, you you know, I think Maury has the famous line where it's like, well, your roster doesn't need to be set till playoff time. Like, do you think he rethinks that a little and is like, I kind of got to get this like pretty close to right before the season starts. I think his actions speak louder than his words. I think that he says that all the time, but the reality is, is like outside of signing guys like Jeff Green midway through the season, outside of making like small tax 
with the tax in mind kind of moves his last few year in, years in Houston, he never made major in-season trades except for the Robert Covington one, which was like a last second like heave, essentially. Like, I don't really think that that is what the reality of his past few years have been. I think that he makes his big moves in the offseason, and I think that he will this offseason if it presents itself. I don't think that he's going to force anything, but I think that ultimately he will come to the decision that, uh, you know, like anything going into the season, he's going to want like 95 to 100, not 100%, but 99% of everything kind of finalized going into the season. So he gets a really good look at it. Hopefully we won't have this whole fucking COVID season like we had this past year where like guys are in and out of the lineup and you don't know what everything looks like and there are all these injuries and blah, blah, blah. Like that is – that's one of the things where it's like that also threw a loop in things. Like that made it so that you didn't really get like a great look. Like we all knew the Sixers needed a shot creator like Kyle Lowry or whatever, but like I think that those kind of things like you've got to prep for just having your best team from the jump. And I don't really want to hear that from him anymore until he's willing to make a Kyle Lowry trade halfway through the season or a move like that, I should say. All right, good. No, I like where your head's at. I I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I think it's really important that um, they've got to get this thing right this offseason to hit the ground running because I think there's going to be a lot of new faces. That's the other piece. I think, like, you can't, you know, you want to get these guys in the training camp and hopefully have somewhat of a real training camp. And, you know, I just think it's going to – I think this team could look a lot different in three months or even in a month, really. I think it will. I think think that – whether it's they trade Ben or they trade Tobias or they are just looking at options for those guys and like they're trying to like fill in around them the best they can while they're still like here. I think that the team is going to look very different. Um, let me just run down a few more options uh, for guys that might be interesting. I think that like these both are long shots because you'd have to move on from Tobias or Ben to make one of them work. And if you're moving on from Ben, are you getting a star back? Whatever it is. So the sign and trade targets would essentially be Mike Conley from the jazz who mm-hmm. for the first time in his career will be able to basically choose where he gets to go because he stayed in Memphis for most of his career, got traded to Utah. Now he's a free agent. This will be the last time he gets paid. Like, Lowry and Conley seem to be the guys that might get a little bit of a boost because of the Chris Paul thing, like the older guard thing. Yeah. Do you think that either of them are realistic? And what do you think we would have to give up to get that back? Because it it becomes way more complicated when you're keeping Ben and Tobias to even get those guys in the first place because you get hard capped, essentially. Yeah, well, it would be right. And you're saying this is not obviously it's this is not Damian Lillard. Like you, you we're not getting Lillard in these Correct. scenarios. Yeah. All right. Um, you've been pounding the Conley drum. I would love Conley. I would actually prefer Conley over um, Lowry. Um, to be a hundred percent honest, just because he's a little bit younger, and I think um, I don't know. I think he's just there's just something about him. I feel like pretty good about. Like I've I've always kind of had an eye for him. However, I think Lowry is the more likely scenario. I, I, I think um, I think the Sixers have probably kept tabs on him. I, my instincts tell me like my instincts tell me he's the one that ends up in Miami for some reason. Like that's yeah. like I, I've just had that in my head since the trade deadline that um, 
that's where he's going to go. So we'll see. But I, I, I you know, I, I would like either. Um, I would like either option. I think that, you know, one of those guys, if you still have Tobias and Embiid, improves your chances, not to the degree Lillard does, but I think improves your chances. Yeah, that's the thing is that I, I think that just getting a point guard that can kind of run the half-court offense, I do wonder if that would be tasking Lowry and Conley with too much because if you look at their careers, like when Lowry won the title, he had Kawhi. And like, you know, as much as I love Embiid, he's not a perimeter player like Kawhi. And then when you look at like what the Jazz have built there, like Conley's more of that second option behind Mitchell to run the offense. So like at this point in their careers, could they handle that, that shot creation load? And you're removing potentially Ben Simmons running the offense in transition and you're potentially removing Ben Simmons being that defensive stopper against the other team's point guard. And it makes this is why I wanted to trade for Lowry so badly at the deadline. And like, even though I understood why they didn't at the time, like if you had just traded Danny Green and like salary and like made something work or prospects or whatever, then you would have the ability to bring back all four guys and you could still trade Ben Simmons. <laughs> like, like that was right. th- that, that is the issue yeah. that I think uh, that they are running into now. We're going to have to choose one or the other. And here's the, here's the other thing. And here's like the landscape of the league. If you've dug into it and all, I'm, I'm sure you have is you get past Conley and Lowry, you know, and let's say you miss out on Dane, the point guard, like it's going to be, and, and, and you move on from Simmons. I mean, there's not that many point guards that you're going to be able to get that are going to be able to do anything close to the creation that Simmons does. And and we already know it's not enough. Yeah. So like, it, you know, you almost have, you almost have to walk away this summer with like Lowry or Conley or, or Lillard, unless you can get somebody like Beal. And then maybe you can get away with like a DeLon Wright or somebody like, you know what I mean? Like somebody like that. But if you move Ben, which we both think they will. And like, you don't get like Lillard or, or Conley or Lowry. Like, dude, it's slim pickings. Like you might end up with like Goran Dragic or something. Like, yeah, I had him on my, there's just not mid. I had him on my taxpayer (laughs) mid level list (laughs) on, on the flip side, on the flip side is if you can make a move for them, the list of like shooting guards that go into like, even down to like the minimum, like I think is a little bit more plentiful. Like you could, you could maybe pick off like a Langston Galloway or somebody like that, that like, can eat, you know, is an innings eater, like, right. Can like, can, can play. And I would feel okay about that, you know, as someone, yeah. as the engine of the offense, once you get past these top like point guards that are, are potentially on the market. And if you moved on from Simmons, man, you were going to be in a real tough spot. Yeah. Because as much as Ben struggled, um, you know, in the playoffs and as much as like, he still provides a lot of value in the regular season. He still does, you know, like, and when you haven't beat as your best player, you need healthy guys that can take on like big offensive and defensive loads in the regular season to carry your team for spots. So it becomes it, it becomes tricky. Like, I mean, it, it isn't an easy situation, but um, outside of those guys, let me just run down like before we like actually get out of here this time. I'm going to run through both my taxpayer. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to run through my taxpayer mid-level guys and I'm going to run through my veterans minimum guys. And I'm going to need you to tell me okay. who stands out here because I have a bunch of the names on on there. God, veteran, there are going to be some familiar familiar names on this list, right? All right, so veteran minimums, this. guys. I'm just going to run through all of them. J.J. Redick, little homecoming. 
Wes Matthews, Mo Harkless, another homecoming. That, that's if we I, get. I like those. I I like both those names. Wes Matthews and Mo Harkless it would be two guys on vet minimums. I would be I would be like excited about. And Mo Harkless, especially if you make that Damian Lillard trade, that's the kind of guy I'm talking about that you can get for the vet minimum yep. to be like your eighth or ninth guy. Uh, Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker, Langston Galloway, who you just mentioned. Ben McElmore, uh, Dwayne Dedman, who's been a uh, name. And then some other guys that I just, I think you take flyers on. Uh, Boogie Cousins, who I just think that, like, you might be able to play him spot minutes in the regular season. He can kind of shoot. He can kind of defend. Um, uh, Mo Wagner, who has been absolutely tearing it up in FIBA right now. Just an interesting thought there. Uh, Shaq Harrison, that's especially if you trade for a Beal or a Dame, just another defensive guard that you could maybe plug in. Uh, Nemanja Belica, who I don't think is going to get paid uh, now that he's kind of uh, on the downward side of his career. And then three guys that were out of the league last year that I've discussed on the podcast, two of them. Uh, Tyreek Evans, who I Philly native, and I just think like if you need a shot creator I, off the bench, I, he's been suspended I, for two years. I've been... What- yeah, what's the deal with him? Because I, I've actually that was one that I was gonna like go with. I was gonna like talk about this summer, and uh, you you stole it. But but what what do you have any info? I was trying to find some information on that. I couldn't find it. I have no idea. No one really knows. The thing is, is that his two year suspension's up. He is that oh. kind of mold of bucket getter that Doc likes to have off the bench. Um, who knows if he even wants to come back to the NBA? But I would imagine. If he could make $2 million next year, then play at home. If he's already living back here, I don't know where he is. I have no idea what's going on with Tyreek Evans, but it was just a thought as like, a, damn, why didn't I think yeah, this no, night Tyreek Evans? And like, <laughs> like that sounds like a Maury yeah, move. No, I love it. Um, and then the other two guys I mentioned were that actually Brian, uh, Brian Toprick uh, had mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, Jeremy Lin, who I think is completely washed and, and whatever. And yeah. then Shabazz Napier was the, was the last guy who was also out of the league last year. Yeah. Napier's always had like those good advanced numbers. He's so small, but, but you yeah. know, there's, there's been some value like to, to, to him. I'm surprised he didn't catch on last year. And that was where those are minimum. Those are minimum guys, right? Those are all my minimum guys. And I have my taxpayer bid level guys, which are, Bobby Portis, Kelly Olynyk, who I think Kelly Olynyk will get a little bit more money. Campaign, who I also think I will know, get a little bit more money. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe like I'm saying this in my life, but I would like. I would actually love Kelly Olynyk. I can't believe I'm like <laughs> saying that with like my basketball brain. Like it's like, it's like very painful. But but I think he would be really good, even without Simmons here. I think he would make yeah. a lot of sense. He's just a big who can shoot and defend. I think he's going to get up. more. He's yeah. going to get more than. I think so too. So, uh, your Goran Dragic, who we just met, who we just mentioned, uh, Nicholas Batum, Jeff Green, Markeith Morris, Wayne Ellington, David Nawaba, Lou Williams, if he doesn't retire, Trevor Ariza, Otto Porter Jr., Garrett Temple, Gordy Jang, and then the best for last, Patty Mills. Yeah, I would love Patty Mills. Otto Porter is really interesting. Um, he's he's like in that like Nick Batum like world like is he like completely done or has he just been like kind of like injured and just like not feeling like playing like he, he would <laughs> be a guy so like young. If, if I know if he's a guy like if you lost Danny Green and you were like listen you can come and like basically be like our I know he's like really more of a four but like you can come and we'll start you right and like yeah. you can just bomb away from three 
I mean, I would give him our full, even though like, you know, we would still need to find a big, I think he's the type of guy that could outplay that contract pretty significantly sure. if he's, if he's healthy. So I like that name a lot. Um, you didn't mention Tyler Johnson, who's like an old favorite. Um, no, that's your of, guy. Of mine. Um, you know, I think he can stop up some minutes. I like Ellington. I like Garrett Temple, even though he's starting to get up there. I think he can, he can play a little bit, um, in the regular season. So really I'm just looking for like innings eaters. Like, yeah. honestly, um, it's only what, $6 million off my list. Yeah. It's not going to be, you didn't, you didn't say, did you say Daniel? Did you say Daniel Tice? He was at another. No, I think he's going to go for more than the taxpayer bed level. You do? Okay. Yeah. I think Patty Mills might too, actually. I think Patty Mills might get like eight or nine million. I think, I think he could get the, he could get the actual mid level. I, yeah, I think same that's here. really likely. Yep. All right. Well, it was, it was great talking. We were going to, we were going to slander somebody. We, we were going to slander a draft guy tonight, but we'll, we'll hold off on it. Dean on draft. We talked about it before, but we'll, we'll next time. <laughs> I'm, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that Maybe guy. I'll I'll edit I'll edit his his name out. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, he solved dating. Yeah, dude, just so. keep it. <laughs> yeah, he solved dating and like solved the draft. His, his takes are like absolutely absurd. We were, we were talking about some of the other takes about like you know date Lillard and and Tobias and Embiid is like a pathway to mediocrity. Like, dude, some of the takes are just like. Insane. insane out there I, i've like really insane. tried to stay off twitter it's it's truly so um, much better for your stuff, mental man. health all right well, we'll we'll find out right <laughs> yep absolutely i uh i'm excited next time next time we talk hopefully uh damian lillard or bradley beal will be a sixer and we will be rejoicing <laughs> so give me so give me the dates coming up so the the season potentially ends tonight or this week then we go draft is next thursday Okay, and then free agency, like the illegal part of free agency, is the is the. F- okay. All right, I'm ready. All right. All right. Thanks, Joe.